Patrick Bateman. Peter Michaels What's here up? again uh, at Creative Communal Creative. You fucked it communal up. Creative First time. <laughs> Damn it. Take two. Communal Creative Studios in Red Deer, Alberta. As we wrap up the year, this is this. The, the, we're mailing it in, right? We could just no, we're not we're completely mailing it in. I'm not. Speak uh, for yourself, goddammit. it! I was listening to a buddy of yours last night. A buddy of mine. Yeah. Interesting Christmas songs. No, this will be our uh, third episode in a row. We could talk about Hans Zimmer. Oh no way, no way! Did what you, were you listening to? Did you know to? what he's got some music in? Uh, is it Spider Man? The new Spider Man. Oh, flag. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Was it good? Which I didn't even realize. I just because you got to stick around through the credits. Yeah. So the credits are rolling, and I'm reading all the right. Like, right oh, right. Hans Zimmer. Like maybe Patrick will be into Spider Man now. I'll give it a spin. But <laughs> I did read the Spider Man plot on. I don't know. Was it Friday? I think it was Friday. I read the plot and understood none of it. Yeah. Well, I think I understood been, three names. Yeah. If you haven't been, there was even stuff that I missed out, and I've been. Oh really? Yeah. And like I said to you guys earlier, they they could definitely go for some low hanging fruit. In this one, yep, it yeah. seems pretty easy. This, uh, anyways, I, yes. we don't need to talk about that. Hans Zimmer, I have the highlight things. of the show. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, yeah, he is. He is one of the best, if not the best, as was uh, boldly stated by myself <laughs> and myself only. I couldn't tell in that last episode if uh, Charlotte Command wanted to argue that point or if she agreed. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think she agreed, but didn't want to go on record. Oh, okay, okay. As okay. agreeing, shouldn't put words in her mouth. That's Entry. the that's that's that was my takeaway on that. Um, well, we're here, and it's just about. Uh, well, we're we're pretty much in the holidays. Yep. Um, you're wearing your ugly Christmas sweater. Yes, I'm wearing my ugly. <laughs> Christmas <laughs> I went for sweater. the low hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a Maple Leafs sweater for those just listening. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, not just a sweater, a jersey, a, a Clarkson jersey. I thought we don't call them sweaters. I don't know. Do we? I don't know. Is that hockey? That one almost looks sweater. It, well, because it's an old school. That's or is that? I think I remember getting this, and you're like, "Ah, eh, it's fake." It it does look like <laughs> it does look like one you're of the like, knockoff you're ones. You're like, I know, <laughs> I know these things. It's fake. But anyways, um, we wanted to do something for the next couple of weeks because we're all taking a little a few days off here yeah. and there. Um, and even though it hasn't been a full year of the road of the stage, it is the end of the year. And I know we did our top picks of 2021, but. Uh, We've had a pretty incredible stretch of episodes here since April. To see how far it's come yeah, in uh, in a pretty short time. Yeah, and when I started going back through some of our uh, highlights, I guess we could call them, um, to realize that you know we've had, I think at this point, 32 guests. It feels like a lot more. I don't know what it is. It's weird. The, the 32, looking at the number 32 doesn't seem like a lot, but yeah. we've had a lot of amazing talent here on the road the stage since April 21. Yeah, I think when you pack in the amount of conversation that we've had, it feels it sometimes could feel like more than 32. Yeah, for sure. But uh, we figured we would share some of our favorite moments from the podcast. So is this like a greatest hits thing? Is that... We well, it's not. A, <laughs> that makes it sound like it's over. <laughs> it's just uh, 2021, a retrospective. <laughs> there we go. Something like I that. I like that much better. Uh, huge shout out and thanks to, uh, we've had big support this year, which has been amazing from Sawback Brewing Company, Go Services Inc., uh, Bose Barn Stage, and Tourism Red Deer. Yeah. Some some great friends. Some good friends. Friends of Christmas the show. to all of them. Um, and yeah, we, we started, like I said, this podcast back in April. Um, How and- did we come across. Refresh my memory. How, our first how, guest? Yeah. What, uh, actually, I don't remember. Well, I think they just put a new first, song out. Right? I think that's probably what it was, was their new single. It just yeah, came yeah. out right around then. But uh, our first guest was Tyler Bancroft from Said the Whale. And um, 
we felt very grateful that we could start off that strong. Yeah. That was exciting. No kidding. Uh, to get him on the show. Um, and we also kicked things off strong in that we got to get a, we, we got some pretty good stories out of them. One of them we're about to listen to. Um, I, in my books, I don't know about your standards of success, but if you can bring up mustard in your very first interview of the very first episode of your podcast, I say that's a win. I think that's how you get things off on the right foot. Well, let's hear about the mustard story from Tyler Bancroft of Said the Whale, episode one. Right, and um, but he he's got to be one of the only musicians to have a tour experience which involved uh, a bottle of mustard being sprayed <laughs> at you, and not in a good way, whatever that way might be. Is there a good way to have mustard sprayed? There's, there's got to sure. be. Well, there's the Dumb this and Dumber man. thing where they're trying to, you know, calm down from the hot sauce. I mean, that's kind of fun. There's, being there's a, a but, being a, but being attacked, yeah, attacked with a bottle of attacked mustard. mustard. Yeah, and if you're listening, of course, these guys are referring to a, an incredible scene from a documentary <laughs> where Spencer was accosted by an angry woman. Perhaps the of, worst you know. condiment to be attacked with, actually. Now that Spencer I think actually it. really likes mustard. I do so, too, but I don't want to be sprayed with it. That was his reasoning. He was upset. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so you know we're we're still tight with Spenny. We you know we see we catch up with him when we can, and um, and uh, you know I think under normal circumstances we probably would have flown out um, our touring drummer Brad uh, to play these songs just because it's nice to have you know your crew that's going on tour with you uh, having played on the record. Um, that's just kind of a nice feeling for everybody. Um, but, um, but yeah, we, you know, COVID happened, no travel and Spencer was around and he was super stoked to do it. And, um, I mean, the truth is nobody plays like Spencer. He is a monster behind the kit. And, uh, and yeah, on, on that new tune, Honey Lungs, he, I got a lot of comments like, man, who's playing the drums? It's like, who do you think is playing the drums? It's Spencer. And people are like, ah, that makes sense. Okay. He's just like, he puts drum fills in places where most drummers would not put drum fills. That's like one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, no, the drumming is very, very cool on that new yeah. track. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad to hear that he was on there. And, and I, I just, I, I don't know, that, that mustard scene just got me. I just need it. Like, there, I'm assuming there was no proper resolution. It was just no. uh, another day on the road. We'll move on from this. Another day on the road. Definitely a strange day on the road. Yeah. But, one of yeah. many, I'm sure. Tarek Jafar of the Blue Stones, episode three. And at what point, you're a pretty well-educated guy, and uh, so you've got physiotherapy as your background. Yeah. Was there a point, like, when did, when did you figure which career was going to be the one that was going to take off? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, both Justin and I went to university, and we were playing music the whole time. And uh, when we got our undergrads, I got an opportunity to go away to England um, to study physiotherapy and nothing was really happening with the band. Like we were just kind of status quo for a while. So I told him, I was like, you know, I got to take the the opportunity to go away. So I did. Um, And it wasn't really until the end of my schooling in England that we got hit up by like management and all these opportunities involving like a record label from the U S and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just came out of nowhere. Like we were shocked. We were basically just putting it on the back burner and it just like popped up. So, you know, we, we, we chased after that and 
when I got home, I got my, I got certified just because I figured I'd finish what I'd started. And then I was like, all right, time to shift focus back onto the blue stones. Crazy. Yeah. So I imagine like if you're at a festival, let's say, and there's all the other bands and everybody's kind of milling about uh, behind the stage as they tend to do, uh, are you getting other musicians coming up to you and saying, you know, Derek, I got this, like <laughs> my shoulder just kind of, I don't know if I could do this tonight. Can you, are you, are you giving some free uh, physiotherapy? You know, it's amazing. Like how, when I do tell people I'm a physio immediately, their pain crops up and they're like, <laughs> it, it, like, it's like, yeah, I do that. And they're like, Oh, that's so great. Like my neck has been so tight lately. I'm like, I can't do it now, but like <laughs> I can, I guess in the right setting. Um, I definitely don't physio on, on tests for sure. I mean, on the road. I would hope yeah. that would be unfair to withhold that valuable information when you're on the road. Yeah. yeah. But no, you, he's a drummer. He plays the drums hard. So, you know, there's, there's some trap issues there. So you're not, you're not like leading mm-hmm. backstage, uh, stretching, pre-show stretching sessions with other bands. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> or what if, if, if Justin's driving and he slouched a little bit more, are you like, Hey, straighten that back up. <laughs> you know what I'll do is like on, on my like Instagram, I'll just like snap a photo of if I see one of the tour members or a crew like slouching and I'll just like, you know, you can have that draw tool and I'll just kind of draw their back like that. And I'll post it, I'll post it and tag them and I'll just type posture check and they can see like some postures is horrible, man. You just, you need to like illustrate it for people to understand. I think we might, it might benefit us actually with this podcast to get like a recording of Tarek somewhere in the background off offset doing a posture check every like 20 minutes or so on the podcast. I'm a lot more cognizant of how I'm yeah. kind of s- sitting here now though. That's... Yeah. I look a lot <laughs> yeah, taller like every already. Every 20 minutes, every 20 minutes, you just have like a little, you know, one of your producers back there hits a little sample and it's like, posture check. <laughs> That's just straight now. All right. I'm going to remember that. We might actually use that. From episode five of The Road the Stage, Kurt Dahl from One Bad Son started touring you know 2000 and you know seven or eight so so like and back in the day i used to um sort of sort of indulge a bit in terms of what i was sending out to bars in order to get them to to book us right so i guess indulge is too kind i i just lied outright to the bars and said that we we do all these cover songs i'd make up a list of covers that we did not do um so the bar booked us and it wasn't the bar's fault. Like I, I shouldn't badmouth the bar. It was just like they booked us thinking we'd be like 90% covers. And of course we were, you know, 90% originals. And back then, as you know, Pete, like our originals were heavier and they also were not as good, you know? So, <laughs> um, so we play this venue and back then we're doing like three set nights, which is like, you know, that, that's a bit egregious, you know, like in terms of like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of music, you know, especially when it's loud as hell and heavy and so after the first set i'm like no one's in the bar except for our our as you know very well probably our most hardcore long-term fan craig my best friend in the world craig is there smiling ear to ear like he always has since day one and then there's like people trying to hook up with with girls and playing pool and no one no one gave a shit about us like the 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 crowd hated us there's maybe you know 17 people there and besides Craig, like 16 of them hated us, you know? <laughs> and um, the sound guy comes up to me afterwards, after our first set, first of three, and he's like, he's like, where are the fucking covers, man? And 
I was like, wow, you know, we threw in that, we threw in civil war. We used to cover civil war by, by GNR. And he's like, well, that's not going to fucking cut it, man. Like you, you got to play covers if you're, if you're going to survive this night, you know? And, um, we like, we just looked at each other and I think we started the next set. We only knew like five covers. So we were, we were, we were, we were after, right? Like we, we couldn't do it. Um, but in those days we just looked within, looked at each other and sort of like, I'm not sure how we like looking back now, I couldn't like the, the me of 2021 couldn't handle it. Like I wouldn't be able to get through that. Like playing, playing to a crowd that hates what you're doing. Mm. Um, I just, I wouldn't have the, the, the wherewithal to just get through it all. But back then we did it every time. And so long story short, every time I'm side stage at Bose at a sold out show, I think of that night and just, just, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm smiling half the time on stage. Cause we just, we have it so good. Mm. We're so lucky to be where we are. And so like, it's the polar opposite of the type of crowd that we get at Bose, where you got a packed house, everyone's screaming for your originals. You know, we, it was just those sort of contradictions uh, or this contrast really just like keep a guy grateful, you know? And you didn't have to lie about what songs you were playing to get on stage there either. <laughs> I didn't lie to Brennan to get the gig. That's I am right. curious though, like, when you would, you know, say, hey, we're, we're, we play these awesome covers. Here's what we play. Were there songs that you knew would, you know, make them a little uh, ease them? Off? Like, they were like, yeah, you're playing that Bon Jovi song. Yeah, yeah. Well, were there any like kill shot songs that you didn't actually play that you lied your way through to get on stage? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big time. Um, and as a lawyer now, it's kind of funny because like, was what I sent, was that legally binding or not? I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite things that we've heard from a lot of our guests and has become a little bit of a theme on the show is, uh, you know, getting going as a band and that period of time where you say yes to absolutely everything. Or in Kurt's case, you say yes, even when it's not totally the truth. A hundred percent. You do what you got to do yeah. to get the ship afloat. Important lessons for any aspiring musicians or bands that, that might uh, gain some knowledge from some of our guests on the road, the stage. Um, I think that there's always a time in the beginning of your career to adhere to the saying yes mantra, but there also has to be an end. Eventually. There it, has to be an end. Eventually it takes its toll. And uh, shortly after our episode with Kurt Dahl, episode 13 actually, Liam Cormier from the Cancer Bats kind of told us about that side of things. Like a, a big example is just like for, let's say the first 10 years of the band, we just said yes to everything. Yeah. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah. Like, everything was a yes, and then we would just figure it out. And that that's, like, more like that kind of energy to just be like, oh, yeah, and then we'll figure it out, and that'll be sick. And not being like, oh, we should sit back, and, like, maybe we'll crunch these numbers, and, like, maybe we'll figure it out. I was just like, oh, we can tour with Rise Against, like, around Europe and the UK? Like, yes. Like, I'll just figure that out. Doesn't even matter. It's the title That's of the episode. What's that? It's the title of the episode. We'll figure it out. You, you've, you've made it already. Yeah, you just figure it out. <laughs> just say yes and then figure it out. Uh, and that then, is like, yeah, as like time went on, we were like, uh, we should probably say no to a couple things. Yeah, that, that has been the common theme yeah, with so, many bands. And, and what got show. you to that point? Because we have heard that a ton, and almost every band we've had on said, yeah, we just said yes, yes, yes. But did you guys come to a point where you realized, holy, like we got to try to pace this a little bit? Yeah, I think there's also the point where, and this is like maybe going 
into more of a like a business idea is where you're always like pushing to like you know make your band bigger and to spread the message and to like play to more people and to do all this and then i feel like there's a certain point where you also need to like step back and like yeah figure out what like what you actually want to do or why you're even doing any of that um like that being said like for us like we are a hardcore band like we Mm -hmm. love playing like crazy rowdy shows one of the things that like ends up happening sometimes when you play some of these like bigger shows is you're like oh this is this is like more disconnected you know in a lot of ways and you're like and in some ways like we're not making as much money as we did when we were playing the smaller show because now we have like more overhead and you have like more of these things and you're like, Oh, if we kind of like scale some of these things back and tour a little bit less, like we're actually going to like make more money, you know, if we like figure out kind of like where, you know, we want to be. And by that, I mean, like it doesn't always make sense to just be like doing support tours. So we were like, you know what, we should just stop doing support tours. Cause that's also not fun. But it is part of this whole music, you know, uh, culture. You're like, oh, yeah, you open for the big band and then their fans think you're cool. Yeah. You're like, ah. Not always. I think there's a a big misconception there about people think it's, yeah, you get on this big bill and it's all glorious. But, I mean, really, the pay isn't that great. You're from yeah. what I've heard. You, you're you, with a lot of shows. You, uh, you're not selling as much merch because you have to have your merch price the same as the, as the headliners. Yeah, or, or you're like, uh, you're only limited to a few things. You know, so like the headliner can have as much as they want. Like you can only have like a couple. I mean, again, we were really lucky. So like when we did get some of those opportunities, like obviously going on tour with like Billy Talent and Alexis on Fire. Like that's like a huge tour where that does work. Mm-hmm. Like those kids show up early and they they're into every band and we got tons of fans from those tours. But then there are the other ones where you're just like, oh yeah, like I don't think, you know, there was probably like two people at the like Bring Me the Horizon Thursday show who really like got into us. But like for us, yeah, it was just like kind of like looking at all those things and being like, oh, you know what? Like we should just do headline tours and we should like just focus on the places that like the shows are really good. Because I was like, we don't really need to play like Idaho again, ever. (laughs) I'm like, actually, nobody likes our band in the States. I shouldn't say that. People like our band in the States, but our shows just like weren't as good. Like America's really big. People are spread out. So I was like, we shouldn't tour in the States anymore. Dave Ritter from the Strumbellas from episode four. Well, I do remember that hat made a big impression. Uh, You guys came through Red Deer. Would have been February of 2019. Was it 2019? I think it was 2019 for the Canada Winter Games. Uh, What do you remember about uh, that performance? We had, it was just, it was an empty field that they put up a big inflatable tent that held about 2,000 people, I think. Maybe three thousand, and it was minus forty. And it was minus forty. For the whole week. Yeah. It was cold. I'll give you okay. Um, I'll give you an honest, uh, like a very honest answer, please. Um, I remember nothing about the performance. And also, <laughs> I, and, but I don't want any. I want, don't want you guys or anyone from Red Deer to take this personally. I remember my memory. It's like 
I don't, I'm like a goldfish or something. I can't remember anything. And it's very awkward. Like I, mm. I often will meet people at shows and they'll say, Hey, we met in Sault Ste. Marie, you know, and uh, it was great. And you had such a good, and I, and I sort of pretend I'm like, I don't want to be nice. And I, I don't want people to have hurt feelings. And I'll say, Oh yes, of course. Or they'll say, do you remember this festival that you played in Owen sound, you know, two years ago? And I'll say, and I'll say, oh yeah, you know, what a great show. And so like, anyway, that would have been the the political answer is to say like, oh yeah, that would have been great, but I have absolutely no memory of it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but it's not, it's not that I have no memory of that show. It's that the tourists, they just blur. So, you know, I like sometimes will remember like, oh, like a, a nice lunch we had or whatever, but it's really, it turns into this pretentious thing like in, um, oh, um, what's that movie? the um, mockumentary about the rock band the hair spinal tap band. spinal tap spinal tap yeah, right, yeah where they like can't remember the the, the they can't remember the, <laughs> the town words? that they're in yeah. oh right and, right yeah and i know that that's like this pretentious like musician thing um and this is sort of the opposite of that where it's i i usually know where i am but i can't remember where i've been <laughs> wow so i'm so i'm sorry but it's not you know it's 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 nothing personal but, but at right, least you I, own it i, I, I love I the honest answer deficiency Ewan Curry and Ryan Gullen from The Sheepdogs, Episode 7. Well, in the meantime, you've got this new EP out. And I will say for vinyl collectors, that uh, that colored vinyl for No Simple Thing is sweet. Real nice. Um, but you've also got rolling papers, which I didn't notice. <laughs> are those old? Those rolling papers are from the last record release? Yeah, we didn't do... They, there's, they... they they get manufactured in China, so they're not rolling in super quick these days. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. We're we're gonna we're gonna save. We'll get more. I'm gonna get more made when we go back on the road. It was, but we still have lots of stocks. We have yeah. sell the old ones. I we're direct from Wuhan. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the, doob, the doobie district of Wuhan. Yeah. I saw you in that you uh, you you kind of asked uh, the notoriously cranky David Crosby to rate your uh, rolling skills. I did, yeah. and I don't. He yeah. didn't side with you, right? No, you picked my friend Matt. Okay, uh, which is why you prefer old... Nash. <laughs> well, I prefer Nash anyway. Crosby's—I mean, he's Crosby's amazing. Uh, David Crosby on Twitter is a fantastic follow. You're right. I don't—I don't think Nash is even on Twitter. So uh, Crosby wins that one easily. Our friend, our good buddy Matt Dunlap—he's uh, does all of our sheepdogs art design and collabs on just about all the sort of content that we put out, and he's. Uh, he and I are always laughing. Like we had, we used to hang out in San Francisco when he lived there, and we'd have like a joint rolling contest on the street and all this kind of dumb shit. So we've always been joking about getting Crosby to raid our joints, but uh, mine wasn't very good. So I don't, uh, I'm not surprised that that Dunlap won. But yeah, it was funny. Now, was it just that one that wasn't good, or were you, did you kind of buckle under the pressure a little bit of having Crosby judge you? No, I was. Well, <laughs> I, I rolled it in advance, but I think I was a little, I had a few whiskeys before I, I rolled it. <laughs> okay. I've never been the, like, my, I never said I was the best roller. I'm the fastest roller. I can roll a joint faster than anybody. That's my claim to fame. But that, which is very that. important or many times. It comes from hanging out, like, in bars and, like, rolling it, like, behind a couple pint glasses and then, like, sneaking out for a, a doobie or whatever. Like, I was always doing that kind of thing. So you're not applying for like that role or that position, that paid position with Snoop Dogg anytime soon, unless he needs really fast. Nah, Snoop joints. He'd be pissed at my Jays. 
so basically, I feel, and I think you agree that throughout the road this stage, we, we've yet to have a difficult interview. And, and you and I have worked in this industry for, for quite a while. You a lot longer than me. I know, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> and it's so funny the number of times we hear about difficult interviews, right? That's fair to say. It, it happens. Yep. It happens. Um, there are a number of reasons, legitimate and otherwise, why that might be the case on any given day. The fact that we've had 30, what did we say? 32 guests yep. in the music industry and not a, we haven't had a single not difficult a interview right single one there's been no pulling teeth yeah there's yeah just great conversations no, no david crosby experiences <laughs> yeah. where he shits on your joint rolling <laughs> skills um so yeah i feel like we're, we're pretty lucky to have had such a good experience so far yeah but and again i think it's just everybody's willing and it's just like just good casual conversations yes now there are and i know it's the case for you too um but there there are some guests or questions that you and I may have wanted to ask for some time. Right. Yes. And you were chomping at the bit when we got Dan for Mangan. For a decade, yeah. I've wanted to know about Dan Mangan and how he, his origin story of how he got um, on one of my favorite podcasts for a long time now. Uh, it's the long running improv podcast, Comedy Bang Bang, because A, not many people in the music industry are on his podcast, are on Comedy Bang Bang as much as he is. But also, I mean, those are two things, Dan Mangan and Comedy Bang Bang, that I absolutely love. So I have, that origin story is just something that I, I, I had to know. Let's and we it. shall. Let's check it out. Yeah, no, well, Pete, Pete meant, or reminded me of it, but I think the last time you were through town would have been, did we say 2019, fall of 2019? Fall of 19, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just such a beautiful moment uh during that show which you've had at so many shows as as well just the sing-along in so much for everyone right and there's a great mm -hmm. shot uh that carolyn bow's photographers got that we absolutely love and adore of you and the crowd all around you and the, and the light going there oh, um, cool. which is a top three sing-along moment for me in concerts of all time amazing so what are some of your favorite sing-along moments that you that you've had as a fan some bands that you love going to and you just see those moments where you just feel like everybody oh, is there as one together when I think of like, it's uh, oh, a good question. I, I have a really good answer. Uh, Glastonbury 2012. Um, there's 200,000 people at Glastonbury. It's yeah. just absolute mayhem. And um, at some point, all of a sudden, it's like sort of like everyone in the whole festival started kind of like walking in one direction. And everyone's like, what's going on? What's going on? What, you know, what's happening? And uh, everyone's sort of like, well, we don't know if it's true, but word on the street is that Tom York and Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead are going to do a duo set over on this other, you know, the stage over there. And so <laughs> it's my favorite band in the whole world. I'm like, I'm there, you know, I don't, I don't care if they're not doing it, even just the, the idea that they're doing it, I'm going to run. And um, so we get there and it's Tom and Johnny and they're doing their, their, their set. And it's just, it's so rad. It's very impromptu. And there's like an acoustic guitar and things. And I think Tom's playing bass and Johnny's playing guitar. And, um, and so they do karma police, the whole crowd singing along for a minute there, I lost myself. And then they get to the end of the song and it's just like thunderous applause, you know, everyone's losing their minds. And then he's Tom's like tuning his guitar or whatever. And it starts up again <laughs> and the crowd starts going for a minute there. I lost myself. And, you know, there's like 
30,000 people singing, you know, the end of Cameron Place. And it just went on and on and on over and over and over again. And, you know, Tom and Johnny just had this big smile on their face kind of thing. And it was just like a really um, special sing-along moment for sure. And it was completely impromptu. They weren't asking, you know, that's a very un-Radiohead thing to do, like ask people to sing along. They would never do that. Yeah. That's, that's for, that's for, you know, losers like me to do. But, um, but it was so special and so pure and just like one of those moments where just like you're looking around, everyone's got like this beaming smile on their face. It's amazing. I just, I just want to point something out though. I think this is guests like four or five on the road, the stage that is just rubbing it in that they've seen Radiohead and I haven't. So, <laughs> and at Glastonbury of all places, that sounds absolutely incredible. Um, I, I have, I have to go back a decade, all right, Dan, because uh, I'm a big fan, um, and I had a realization over the last couple of days that it was 10 years ago this fall that I would have seen you at Mac Hall in Calgary. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Daredevil Christopher Wright opened, which... Yeah, so good. I don't know if they exist anymore. I was searching them up a little while back. Not really. They put out two records... Um the main songwriter a guy named jonathan sundy yeah. is still putting out records and he's incredible he opened up the last few minnesota shows that we've done because he lives around there oh cool very cool um, and he's a really unique writer and unique singer and just beautiful guitar player yeah Love no, that guy. but i i so i, I was kind of blown away that that was 10 years ago um and then i had another realization because i've always wanted to talk to you about how you got connected to this certain podcast. And I realized the other day that I actually probably started listening to this podcast because you were on it. Because you were mm. on Comedy Bang Bang for the first time, like two months before that Calgary show. Right. And I love that show. That was like, wild, man. How, so how, had, what happened? How did, how did that happen? I think that my publicist had sent, you know, a compact disc of O Fortune to Scott Ackerman. Wow. And I was in LA and, you know, you get like a day sheet from the tour manager and it's like, you know, this is what you have to do today at 2 PM. You got to go and be on this thing. Right. And generally it's like, you got to go to a radio station and do like a gab or, uh, you got to go do this interview or whatever. And so I'm like, I'd never heard of Scott Ackerman. Yeah. Never heard of comedy bang bang. I know nothing about this whole scene. And I'm like comedy bang bang. Like I'm not a comedian. Why? Why, you know, like this seems really strange, but you know, whatever you go where you're told. And so I, I go and I walk in the door and, uh, Scott introduced himself and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And then Sarah Silverman walks in yeah. and I'm like, well, I know who she is. Like, you know, she's, she's a famous comedian. That's crazy. And then Nick Kroll comes in and I didn't know Nick Kroll at the time. This was before the Kroll show and, mm -hmm. you know, some of his more breakthrough stuff. But, uh, you know, it was clear that they all knew each other and there was like a scene and it was, I mean, it was kind of weird because here I am singing my like sad sap songs <laughs> and they're all ridiculously funny. Yeah. And so I realized really, really quickly, like, okay, this is a comedy podcast. You were not asked to be here for your comedy. Don't try to be funny like they are because they're professionally funny, but maybe there's room here to try and like not drown completely, you yeah. know? And like, you know, and so I've now been on the show five times. Scott's been so good to me. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to meet a mate like Lauren Lapkus and Paul F. Tompkins and actually Lauren Lapkus has, 
husband Mike has now become like one of my best friends in the world. Um, there's a scene. There's like an incredible scene in and around that podcast of all these amazing comedians. And um, so I've been on it five times and I've just learned, it's like, you have to, you have to make yourself known. Cause if you're just the quiet mouse in the corner, that's not good either. But it, it, it's like, it's the same thing when I, when I'm performing, like I've been told at gigs, like, Oh, you're really funny, man. You should do comedy. And I'm like, that's the last thing I should do because me being even remotely comical is like the relief from all the sad songs I'm singing, Yeah, you know? And so it, within the context of here's a dude playing sad songs, it turns out that in between songs, he every now and then has something funny to say. That is like that. It like, it, it's, it's respite from, you know, it all being so serious. Yeah. And so it works in that context. And so I have to play to that when I'm on the show and I have to try and keep up. And it's crazy. Like these people are the fastest witted people. They're all professional improv. Some like know. the best, the best of the best, the best of the best, the yeah. best, like the most, like, yeah. Like Paul F. Tompkins, you know, like this guy has done more improv than anybody, you know? And, um, and so you, you're, you're, you're trying to like swim with the sharks a little bit, but as long as you just get in, like, and you don't take up airtime too. That's the other thing. Like when you're not singing, like don't try and like soak up airtime, just like, just get in there for a comment, like every five to seven minutes. And, you know, if you can get like a grin out of these people, you're golden. But I had one moment where I made Scott Ackerman like belly laugh and it was golden. Like, like to, to make somebody whose job is comedy actually crack up yeah. is, uh, you know, like, is there a, is there a more difficult accomplishment on this planet? I'm not sure. It's I, like, uh, I mean, Ackerman, Ackerman, PFT, obviously, and Lapkus, unreal. And that whole yeah circuit of improv comedians that go through that show i i feel like ackerman doesn't get enough credit for kind of corralling them all over the years maybe he does mm -hmm. but uh yeah so do you remember was it in that first episode that you made him laugh like that no it wasn't it was actually with uh john mackey and will hines right yeah yeah and uh i it, it was a musical moment um will hines's character was talking about the in vogue song um which one is it uh what's their big hit their biggest no it's not never never gonna get it it's, anyways free your mind free your book? mind maybe yeah. that's it yeah but there's this there's this moment in the song where it goes like and now it's time for a breakdown and so there was this whole bit around that moment and uh i you know like like um callback is such a thing in comedy like if you can like call back later a reference to an earlier thing and so i play the song peaks and valley peaks and valleys and i get to the end of the song where there would traditionally be like an instrumental thing that ends the song you know it's sort of like a a bridge or a breakdown and so i i'm like playing the song and i get to the big climax of the song and then as i get there i i look right at will hines and i kind of nudge him a little bit like you know with my foot or something like that like Here's your moment, man. And he goes, I know it's time for a breakdown. And then I finished the song with a big eruptus, like, you know, kind of climax. And, uh, and it was a moment that, you know, couldn't have been, couldn't have been manufactured, but it caught Scott so off guard that he like, he, he properly was like, 
laughing, like kind of like, you know, that thing where somebody like leans forward in yeah. the chair, like you kind of like a real knee slapper moment, which for 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 context, uh, for those that that doesn't happen very often with him. He's very good at staying pretty straight on that show. But also mm-hmm. they do not have musical guests a lot. No. So I, I was always intrigued by how you ended like i just assumed that they must have taken a real liking to your music um but this com- cool. this podcast has you know millions of listeners yeah. and um uh it's it's been around for a long long time they're one of like the original pioneers of podcasting absolutely and uh you know nico case has been on there a handful of times there's mm-hmm. a few other you know sad songwriter musicians that have done it but Nobody has done it five times other than myself, I'm pretty sure. And I don't know why. Like, I don't, I, I'm not sure why Scott continues to be so good to me. Um, but uh, anytime he asks me to be on it, anytime I'm in LA, I will do it. Like, I will never say no. You know, like, I will continue to do it. I forgot that that uh, Dan Mangan episode is, you, you weren't actually here. No, that was the one I did. Yeah, you were. Uh quarantine which would have been uh late september early october really what yeah for real yeah yeah oh my god yeah because <laughs> it's flying by i'd actually it was my uh it was my first of i had emceed an event right with people yeah, yeah and it was about a week less than a week after i did that event of course where i got pretty sick of course not it was. covid you, yeah, yeah yeah it wasn't i didn't have any of the covid symptoms but it was yeah. still just an illness after being I, I remember there was a moment of stress where it was like, okay, well, do we try doing this remotely where you and I are separate and we also have a guest on the line because we, we thought that, that could be quite uh, complicated. Yeah. Um, and that I is thought it like, worked out fine. We, 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 you know, we talk about the, the conversations and how easy they've been. Uh, and that is the challenge that, you know, some people might not realize is when you're doing these things over Zoom, there's lags, there's delays, yep. there's gaps. You yep. can talk over top of each other. And honestly, like that, it's it's worked pretty seamlessly. Yeah, especially when you have a guest like Dan Mangan, who is a pretty good talker. He's a great talker. Pretty good storyteller. And you just sit back and let him tell the stories. Exactly. It makes us feel like <laughs> we're not doing much, does it? <laughs> Anyways, um, we hope you enjoyed uh, some of our favorite moments from 2021 on the road of the stage. However, this those is just, are only this half is just of round them. one. Absolutely. So next week, we're, we're going to take you through a few of our other moments. Please uh, go back and listen. Watch these episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Watch on the Communal Creative Studios YouTube channel, which if you're not subscribed to, pretty pretty soon. I'm just going to stop saying that. Um, I, I don't think you can. I don't think you ever I'll stop. stop saying it so nicely. I'll, right. I'll okay, only okay, ad- okay. I will only... We're, so do we get like through the first year and then the gloves come off? Like you're... or like Basically, I will be very welcoming in that sentiment to new listeners and viewers. But if you've been hanging out since April of 2021 or September of 2021 and you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet... <sighs> get out of here. There's only so many times we can beat you over the head. It's very easy to do. Yes. Um... Well, yeah, that's that's what we got for part one. Yeah, right? big thanks to uh, Sawback Brewing. Yes, Go Services Inc. Mm-hmm. Tourism Red Deer. Yes, yes, and Bose Barn Stage. All right, and uh, we'll be back with part two of our favorite moments from the Road to Stage 2021 next Wednesday. Wednesday. The Road the Stage is produced by Ryan Cooley and Riley Sir Yin at the Communal Creative Studios in Red Deer, Alberta. In partnership with Go Services, Inc., Sawback Brewing Co., Tourism Red Deer, and Bose Bar and Stage. 